Sarah, could we please have a roll call? Mayor View? Here. Mr. Wagner? Here. Mr. Barcelo? Present. Mr. Doubt? Here. Mrs. Perrette? Present. Mrs. Schofield? Here. Mr. Shumsky? Here. Mr. Lamoth? Here. Mr. Gerard? Present. Mr. Bernard? Mrs. Lopes? Present. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 present, one absent. Thank you, Sarah. Public announcements by committee members. I'll start to my left with Vice Chair Susan Zatella Lopes. All set. Don Lamoth? All set for now. Thank Grace you. Schoolfield? All set. Sam Shumsky? Yes, I just want to let the public know that um, I, I did do some uh, meetings recently with regards to the junior ROTC. Sam, oh, can you just talk a little closer? Yeah. Thank you. So I did meet with our junior ROTC at Chickabee High on the 12th, and we did talk about possibly, I know Assistant Superintendent Carol Cruiser was on the meeting. We had a very productive conversation in regards to how we can possibly um, improve upon the program in regards to making Westover and Chickabee High more aligned to each other in regards to maybe like um, jerseys and including Westover on that. And I also did get a chance to meet with the Chickabee High Booster Soccer Club last night. We had a very productive conversation in regards to hearing thoughts on electronic ticketing, a recent policy that we passed, and how we can improve upon that as well. So I look forward to working with everyone on that. And thank you. Thank you. Chet Satella. Yes, I'm all set. All set. Thank you. Sandra Perrette. Uh, good evening. Just a reminder to the public and uh, that there is an education subcommittee of the City Council on September 28th at 6.30 here in City Hall. And the particular meeting room has not been determined at this time, but everyone is invited. Thank you. And I apologize. I missed Doug Gerard, who's joining us remote. Doug? Thank you, Mayor. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, I would just like to take a moment to offer up uh, condolences to uh, the Michon family. Uh, we all knew John very well. He passed away recently at the age of 86. Uh, he was instrumental in raising uh, funds for many, many years for the Friends of the Library. Um, and I just thought we should uh, bring him up tonight and uh, he will be missed. Uh, also, um, to echo uh, my colleague, uh, Mr. Shumsky, uh, with the, uh, the uh, ticketing, electronic ticketing for the athletic events, if we could put on the agenda for discussion uh, for the next meeting, uh, what we are going to be uh, charging students for uh, admission to these events. And uh, it's my understanding that we're, uh, we're charging for some sports and we're not charging for other sports. So I would just like to have a discussion amongst the colleagues and everybody involved uh, for the next meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Tim Wagner. All set, Mayor, thank you. And Jason Doubt. I'm all set, Mayor, thank you. And David Barslow. Thank you, Mayor, I'm all set. Move on to Superintendent, public announcements. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just want to say good evening to everyone and good evening to everyone at home. Um, I don't have any other announcements. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Okay, we'll move on to public input. Public input speakers shall properly identify themselves by providing their name and address. There will be a 30-minute limit for the length of the entire uh, public input. 
a time of three minutes for individual speakers, and speakers are chosen on a first-come, first-served basis. Topics for discussion should be limited to those within the school committee's scope of authority. Comments and complaints regarding school personnel or students are generally prohibited unless those comments and complaints concern matters within the scope of the school committee authority. The chair of the meeting, after a warning, reserves the right to terminate speech, which is not constitutionally protected because it constitutes true threats that are likely to provoke a violent reaction and cause a breach of peace or incitement to eminent lawless conduct or contains obscenities. Questions asked by the public may be referred to the committee or administrative staff for consideration and later response. We have two people signed up for public input. The first one is Lauren Garlett. Welcome, Lauren. Okay. This makes me feel short. All right. Good evening. Nope. Still. Okay. Hello. So, good evening. My name is Lauren Garlett. I am a teacher at Bellamy Middle School. And then um, I have Claudia Palfreman here with me also. We are here in our um, positions as political action leaders for the Chicopee Education Association. So we're gonna be speaking on the same matter. We're just kind of dividing up the speaking. So good evening. Uh, dear members of the Chicopee School Committee, Mayor View, and other members of the Chicopee community, we are here to inform you about an MTA ballot initiative for 2024. Um, MCAS started with the best of intentions and became a high stakes, high cost to the tune of about $30 million a year measurement of a district's progress. It is the opinion of many that the MCAS has become punitive rather than informative. The use of a single high-stakes test to evaluate students, promote or graduate students, and judge a school or district standing has proven to have negative impacts, including the denial of diplomas to some groups of students, undue stress on students and staff, and a this thing moves, and a loss of time on learning. The goal of public education is to teach students to be critical thinkers, engaged citizens, and lifelong learners. We don't feel that MCAS is helping us achieve those goals. So the Thrive Act will address these issues by replacing the MCAS graduation requirement with one that allows students to certify that they have satisfactorily completed coursework showing magistry of the skills, competencies, and knowledge required by the state standards. It will eliminate state receiverships and reinstating a democratic control to committees and school, school committees. Um, we know once the state comes in, they sometimes don't leave. It will establish a commission to create a new whole child system of assessing our schools, <coughs> building on important experiments in our state and nation, which can be implemented in upcoming years. Passing the Thrive Act will mean that schools and district evaluation and accountability requirements will focus on supporting locally fed, sorry, locally led school improvement plans while still aligning with federal law. Student learning and assessment will be reorientated in a developmentally appropriate way that educates and supports the whole child. And the 30-year experiment with test, punish, and privatize will end, and students, communities, and true learning will be placed front and center. Excuse me. So in closing, we ask that the Chicopee School Committee and other registered voters in Massachusetts 
in Massachusetts. Join us in support of the Thrive Act so that we can provide a useful and real-world education that better supports our students and carries them into adulthood. If you see MTA members collecting signatures, please, if you so choose, please take a minute to consider to sign the ballot petition to get the question on the ballot for 2024. Thank you for your time. Thank you. So we did have Claudia uh, Parfumin. Claudia, did you want to add anything else uh, for your time or? No, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. It's Pal Fromen, and I am the teacher librarian. Pal Fromen, good old English name, Pal Fromen. And I am the Pal librarian at DuPont Middle School. Thank I you. I forgot to tell you that. Thank, Thank you. you for sharing that. That concludes public input. We'll move on to visitors. We have three, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dr. Dr. Ware. So at this time, Mr. Mayor, uh, we do have three visitors. Um, what I'd like to ask the school committee is if we can ask, uh, have Mr. Scott Chapdelaine go first in the order of presentations, um, followed by Mr. Steven Sachowski and then myself, if that would please the committee. Can I get a motion? I'd like to make a motion to take one of our three visitors out of order this evening. I ask that Mr. Chapdelaine Chapdelaine be allowed to vote first, please, uh, speak first, please. Thank you, any discussion, Don? Yes, from what I heard from Dr. Weiris, he'd like to rearrange everything and put himself at the bottom of the pile, so. Correct. It would be Scott, and then it would be um, the Human Resource Department, and then. Yeah, that Dr. would be the order, Don. If we take Scott, just a point of reference, if we take Scott first, Stephen would be next, and Dr. Weir, that's okay. the order. Okay, thank you. Any other discussion? Mm -hmm. We need to take a roll call. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrett? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries. Well, welcome him or me? We'll welcome Scott Chapdelaine, the Director of Maintenance, for an update on school facilities and summer projects. Hello, everyone. Um, Scott Chapdelaine, Director of Maintenance. Um, I just wanted to go over a few things. Um, if everyone can, first of all, thank you for having me here. I love coming to speak about all the great things we've done over the summer. Um, you know, one thing I always laugh about is, you know, we do a, a big thing about the summer projects, but our crew does work and, and we have a lot of projects that are all year long. Um, the summer is, you know, a lot more get done, but you know, all year long we're doing major, major projects. Um, if we can uh, hold off the questions to the end, I can kind of get through it and then it'll give me more time to um, answer questions, if that's okay with everyone. Um, I sent around uh, the summer project list and with 85 things listed, I'm not gonna go through every one of them, but at the end, if people have questions of why uh, it became a fall project or if it's in progress or, not, or it's completed, I will answer those after I get through the presentation. Um, so, uh, I never used this clicker before. Okay. So, uh, facilities, summer, facilities, update and summer project update. So I wanted to go over a couple major jobs that um, are in the works. Um, 
the uh, gymnasium cafeteria air handler project. That's something we've been working on for a while. We did pick a owner project manager and we have an architect that has been chosen. Um, we are negotiating pricing with the ar architect next week. Uh, the maintenance warehouse project, same thing, same actual owner project manager and same architect that took the uh, project and we're meeting with them. They actually started preliminary designs of the maintenance warehouse and we're going over all the uh, documents on that. The CH turf light project, as I wrote on here, um, the contractor doing the job and uh, my department didn't feel we were getting the best buck for what they were trying to do. Uh, they proposed the very high extra. Uh, we didn't think it was fair of what was done and we dropped the contract and we're starting off fresh again, removing all the work that was done and going out to rebid. So there's a little delay on that or a big delay on that. It's been a while, but um, it took a long time to work out, um, especially working around the weather and working around all of our seasons because we tried to make it so we didn't affect any of the sports. Um, I think we should realize that if we go out to bid with, for the project, we should say uh, doubling, doubling up sports at one of the turf uh, fields and not try to close, just get the project done and not wait till the summer but we can talk about that with the school committee out when it gets closer. Um, Barry School Classrooms, I put that on here because after meeting several times with Dr. Ware, um, it has, not, not that it hasn't been apparent already, but I've got my uh, pecking orders here that Classroom AC is a, a major project and we wanna see progress on it. So uh, I sat down with my team, we came up with a plan I know we are getting a new Barry School. Uh, it's gonna be a little while down the pipeline, but I still think we have to address the um, issue of not having classroom AC there. And I plan on spending some money on portable air conditioners and get a, getting the electrical wiring in and putting portables there. And when the building, when we do get the new building, we can use those portables throughout the district when we have any issues. Um, Bellamy classroom AC unit replacement. Um, we did meet with an engineer. We have all the paperwork done. I'm planning on getting that out to bid um, beginning October for a next summer project. Uh, Litwin classrooms. That that ended up being a little different than the Bellamy classrooms. We couldn't do the same engineering we planned for for uh, Bellamy. The unit events are a little different. So um, we're coming up with a different plan for that, but same thing, we're pushing for a summer project. Um, Fairview Classroom AC, um, after meeting with Dr. Ware and talking to my staff, um, I have a lot of staff that have shown interest now that we made it such a priority to get the air conditioning going that they're gonna start working weekends, um, nights and weekends to try to get some more air conditioning done at uh, Fairview. Same thing at Stefanik, and this number has actually gone up in the last week because we met the principal, Therial. She gave us an open classroom to jump in right away. Right after COVID, all the kids were spread out, so we didn't have an open classroom to work in at a lot of the schools. But right now, it seems our numbers, I, I don't quote me on this, but I think our numbers are down a little. So we have an open classroom to work in. That's going to speed up that process. Um, major projects, I just want to go over some of the major projects that are coming up. Um, 
It's going ongoing right now. Comp emergency detention area repair is underway. It's with a 30-day completion date of 9:30. We had a detention area that uh, wasn't properly built. We believe from the documents we found and from what we saw in place, and we lost the detention area there. So we have to do an emergency repair, and um, it's on schedule, and we should be done by the end of September. We also found well that uh, doing that comp emergency detention repair, we found an area of a retaining wall um, in that wetland area that needs to be repaired. I haven't got a price on that, but that will be a spring project. Um, comp replacement track surface. Uh, we uh, met with an engineer. We're starting to get the geotechnical um, testing done right now, and we'll be going out to bid for that for the summer. Um, uh, replace comp energy management system, uh, same thing, uh, op uh, getting an engineer involved, going out to bid. Uh, we did comps uh, gym floor this summer. We couldn't get them both done because of the amount of summer school and athletic programs we had going in the summer. So um, we plan on doing uh, Chicopee High soon. That's a full sand of the floors, sanding it down to bare wood. Uh, adding new lines and then recoding it. It came out great. We're hoping Chickabee High will come out the same. Chickabee High replacement track. I think we'll try to do Chickabee High before we do comp, but it may be the f all all on the same summer, depending on what we have scheduled for the track. Same thing with Chickabee High, replace the energy management system. Uh, Bow School parking lot. Uh, we put trap rock in, that seemed to help, but we have to do a full uh, pavement back there with drainage. The DPW was, the engineering department of the city was excellent. I, it took them a little while because they're shorthanded, but they prepared the, all the bid documents for us, so we're ready to go out to bid for that. We just need to figure out where the money's coming from for that project. Um, Bowie, parking, Bowie parking lot, that was something the principal put on his wish list. We looked into it, and it really wasn't put in correctly. Um, all the water kind of washes out into the playground area. We can't have it that way. There was no really water detention that was put in. So that's another thing that we'll have to hire an engineer, do a SPRAC review on it, figure out where the water's gonna go, and then repave it. Um, Zatella front parking lot, same thing. We put in trap rock, but I think it's time where we make that into pavement. Um, I added this on at the last minute, but the Bowie playground repair, because I know that's coming up on the 28th, but uh, there was a slide that needs, re well, let me first off by saying, um, several of our playgrounds were put in a long time ago. That Bowie playground, if I'm right, I believe it was installed like 1999, because I was involved in installing that. Um, a lot of our playgrounds are that age. They need to be replaced, entire playgrounds. Um, a lot of the problem with the Bowie playground is we had a broken slide. No one would replace the slide. Uh, we couldn't get a replacement. They were talking about um, a custom slide. So after meeting with several organizations, we did find someone, a, a manufacturer that has a slide that will mount up to that unit. So we did order it. It should be in the next couple weeks. Uh, we installed new wood chips and um, we cleaned up as much as we could in that area. Um, and I just want to go over a couple things just, just to kind of show you some of the stuff we did this summer. So um, Stefanik, uh, the rug at Stefanik was in poor shape. The lights still had fluorescent lights. So um, 
on the principal's wish list was remove the carpet that was in there. So the carpet was, the building was built in 1970. I'd say the carpet was actually from the 80s. So we uh, stripped the whole place. We brought it back down to pavement. We had a, a rug installation company come in. We put new rug. We put new LED lighting throughout the whole entire facility. Uh, new rug throughout. Um, this is Fairview Computer Lab. Um, this is a computer lab, and it's not really functional anymore. It was, you know, that was built in 1995. Uh, the principal wanted to turn this into a steam lab. So um, there was all electrical and internet that went through those floors. So we had to get into the room underneath, bust it all out, tie it back, back to the, the source. And then we busted it all out, refinished the room. Now it's a, a beautiful steam lab. Um, another job we had to do this summer, Chigbihai Cosmetology Lab build. So this was originally a science room. There was really nowhere else in the building we could, without adding drastic piping throughout the system because um, it's on the fourth floor, um, we could not um, just build it anywhere. We had to take over a science lab. So this is what the science lab looked like before. This is when we turned it over to Cosmetology Lab. Uh, Bowie Hallway. As you know, you can see some of those pictures. Um, there's glue that holds the Bowie ceiling tiles when we have the warm days, even though their building's air conditioning, the hallways aren't air conditionings. So they still get some heat in the hallways, although a lot of them leave their doors open, which they shouldn't. Um, we uh, have been pulling the ceiling tiles down and um, installing drop ceilings. You see the floor, that was, that was an abatement that was done. That was asbestos flooring. We had an abatement company come in, ground the floors down. Um, that's what it looks like when it's, when it's done. Nice, bright, and shiny, nice floor, wash the walls, painted where we could. Um, that's just kind of a quick update. Um, open for questions. Looks like you were really busy with your team this summer uh, getting ready for the new school year. Don Lamoff. Yes, on your major projects, I'm looking at some of the projects that you're doing. The comp retention, detention area, it's an emergency repair. What did that cost? So the emergency repair, comp, uh, emergency repairs, uh, $276,000 as it stands right now. And where's that money coming from? So right now it's coming out of our maintenance budget. What's the threshold for it to become capital? Excuse me? What's the threshold dollar figure before it becomes capital? I, I was never told of a threshold figure. Because I know when we did like projects like turf on the football fields and stuff, that all had to be capital. Like when we do roofs on a building, they're all capital. So I'm looking at some of the repairs here, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do these repairs, but I don't know that they should be coming out of the education budget. And I'm not putting you on a spot here. I'm making a statement. Well, you kind of are. So, um, you got the, your boss right the here. way. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What? You got your boss right here. I mean, I'm not putting you on the spot. Well, um, the, the way I see it is when I'm asked to, if we, the first thing I'm asked is if I have the funding in, my funding in the budget to do it. Um, that's what I was asked. And I said, yes, if I have to pay for it or if the, if the maintenance department has to pay for it, we could pay for it. Um, I had no, like we couldn't wait. It was an emergency repair, so it had to happen right away. Um, Dr. Ware and I have spoken about, you know, some of these major projects and how they, you know, we have to look at other funding sources, but that hasn't really come to play yet. 
Well, like the comp detention pond, that's an emergency repair. Is that the final repair? That is not the final repair. So if we go further with that, it's going to cost more than the 276? A lot more. So that's my point. We're going, yes. to, have to, we're going to have to see where No, I would say going. on that last page that you guys have, besides the Chickabee High Gym refinishing floor, which is about $43,000, um, Bowie Playground, take that off, but the rest of the projects on that would probably be capital repair. That's my point. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Yep. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Scott, for Sam all Chomsky. you. Oh, thank you for all you do and for all your employees do. It looks the work you guys did over summer looks great. So my questions are for the CHS, the replacement of the track surface, and along with their stadium. I know that. I, when I met with the Booster Club last night, they had concerns about the scoreboard, some parts of it not working. They had concerns about the bleachers over um, Labor Day. There was some Mr. Support. Shumsey, if you could please speak into their mic. There was concerns about overgrown weeds and it being taped off and in regards to that. So what are, are we going to establish policies and protocols for the beginning of next school year so this issue does not happen again? I know it was resolved very quickly. But I just didn't know. So, yeah, um, I would say I probably got six phone calls on those bleachers with the weeds underneath them. Um, I, I would say, and I said this to a couple people, those bleachers were never installed correctly. They have no um, weed fabric underneath them. They have no, nothing to stop the weeds from coming up. They are very hard to weed whack because they have cross braces that go through them. So to get someone to go through them with the weed whacker, it's, it, it's, it's a daunting task. We can't use weed control at any of our schools because of our IPM programs. So one of the things Dr. Ware and I talked about is my plan is we will build, we will build a new area to move one of the bleachers that's either paved, concrete, or with weed block. And we will move one of them, then we'll work on the next one, then we'll work on the next one. They were never installed correctly, and we may even end up, if we do it this way, get an additional bleacher in there, the way we're going to do it. Awesome. Yes. And I had the other question, I'm very happy to hear about the AC project becoming priority. My other question was regards, because I know we were talking about lit in classrooms. I did hear that from teachers that there was a B issue. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I'm sure everyone here yeah, who's got... Yeah. I don't know if my mic's working. I don't think you're having it close enough to... to is it not close? Is that better? Much better. Okay. So another issue... What kind I, of issue? A bee issue. There was oh, bee... Like so teachers or... No. Honey. Like the, I don't know. Like they hornets. They saying that hornets. they've had to evacuate classrooms because of bees flying into them. So I don't mean to smile when I say this, but it's right before winter, and we have this problem every year. Um... Bees are trying to find a warm place. It's cold at night. They're trying to form a warm place. When we get the call that there's bees in a building, um, of course, we're not going to come during school and, and um, have Brayman try to attack the bees while their um, kids are in school. So that day when we get the call, we send Brayman to take care of the issue. There are some instances like at Litwin, we sent someone out one day. They took care of it. They found another nest in another area. And today we had to send someone again. So... Um, it's, it's an ongoing issue that bees are trying to find a place in all of our schools. Okay. All right. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Any other questions? Sandra? Uh, just on a couple um, major projects you referred to, meeting with an engineer. Is that a city engineer or is that a separate uh, contract that we're... 
So I do appreciate everything the city engineers do for us, but they are shorthanded. So although there's a cost involved when I have an outside engineer, it's a lot quicker to have an outside engineer at this point um, do any of these projects. So anything that I mentioned here is an outside engineer that we would hire. And, and we do a bidding process for that? Depending on, depending on what the number is. Um, uh, if it's ten, if it's under ten thousand, or you know, um, it's three quotes. So if I get three quotes from people and they say it's five thousand dollars, I would go that way. It doesn't have to go out to bid. Okay, thank you. Yep. Any other questions? Thank you so much, Scott, for that presentation. Sure, David Barslow. Yeah, just a quick question, Mayor. Scott, uh, when when the bowl parking lot is uh, completed, uh, how many extra parking places do you think will be added in total? So I want to say it's 76 extra spaces from what there is right now. 76. Sounds great. Thank you, Scott. Yep. No problem. Thank you. Vice Chair Susan Satella. We're very fortunate to have you at the helm of our maintenance department, Mr. Chapdelaine. Thank you for all your hard work and handling yourself with such dignity. Jimmy Stefanik would be proud of you. <laughs> He's smiling from yes. heaven. You make me Thank cry. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Scott, for all you do. I just want to thank, you know, um, thank you guys. Um, one thing I didn't mention is like the summer staff. You guys approve my summer staff every year. Um, we had 36 kids this year. They all did a great job. Um, they enjoy working with our custodians. And, you know, I wouldn't be who I am without the crew I have. My custodians are the best in any district. I, w I wouldn't have anyone else but them. My craftsmen. I, they never say no. Whatever I ask them to do, it's, it gets done. Um, my office staff is phenomenal. I can, I can not be in the office all day and stuff gets done, and when I come back, I have answers. Um, I really enjoy the job I have. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Grace. Mayor, I just have one question for Scott. Uh, sure, Doug. I, I'm sorry. Grace has the floor, and you're next. Go ahead, Grace. Okay, thank you. Oh, I'm, I just want to thank you again, as um, my colleagues have, and I'm glad you mentioned the summer project with the hiring of, um, I had a couple of constituents um, reach out at that time. Could you just describe, like, at what time of year that you um, hire the um, kids and what's the process involved in that so that um, people sure. will be aware of it? Sure. So I don't know if it's going to change at all because part of the funding for the um, summer kids is the sprint towers and we just took a sprint tower off dupont roof so we just cut that funding in half so um it's something i haven't sat down and talked to dr ware about but we're gonna have to come up with some different funding because i won't be able to hire the people i hired with half the funds um normally um i have to know if the funding's there if we know we have the funds um we normally wait till june before we make any decisions and make the announcement that we're going to have um kids start and we try to make it unfortunately we lose a lot of kids that go to other departments because we start so late we don't start until after the fourth of july but over the years that we've had summer help it's really the best time to start it's only they get six or seven weeks of work um and um it gives the custodians times to get ready for what they're going to have the kids do and get their lists ready for everything for the summer um, I, I think it works starting then, but I do know we lose kids then. So we'll, we'll post in June, but we don't really, they won't start their job till the f first full week after July 4th. Uh, where, where, is it, where is it posted? I'm just curious. 
So it's posted on, on in the, well, it's in-house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Doug Gerard. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Scott, I was just wondering if you could give us all an update on how we're doing with the, uh, the back gate at Chickabee Comp. Uh, now that it's open, uh, how is everybody, the neighbors and, and everybody taking, uh, taking it? So, so I might turn that over to the mayor because, or Dr. Ware, because I haven't heard a word about it. I haven't heard, I've been there in the mornings. It's been very smooth. Um, I've been there overseeing the project. I haven't seen any issues. The contractor said they haven't had any issues with traffic or anything that's going on. I haven't had one neighbor call me, but I think Dr. Ware or the mayor can answer that better. Dr. Ware? Yes, I, I can talk, uh, talk to that a little bit. So from the school side, it actually has helped, of course. Um, the, the staff that works there, that work there are, are, are saying that, that it's been very helpful. Um, I have to give um, a shout out to the Chicopee Police Department because they've been very instrumental in helping regulate the traffic. I do know that there are um, neighbors on the side streets who are concerned about the buses that park on the narrow, narrow streets in their neighborhoods. So that is something that I know was brought to our transportation director and that we're talking to um, five star to see if there's something that can be done about it. Um, but that is the one of the complaints I have heard about it out of concerns. Um, other than that, when I speak with the principal, Mr. Angel Lumoth, um, I haven't heard any other um, uh, pieces of feedback that needs to be addressed. I agree with that. Where we've received, I think, one complaint about buses getting there early mm -hmm. and parking and idling on secondary streets in the neighborhood. Other than that, I haven't heard uh, any complaints. Uh, I know it's for a inconvenience for about a month. And I had spoken to Mr. Chapdelaine right before the meeting who told me, and I don't like jinxing a project, especially an emergency repair, but they're slightly ahead of schedule and I'm gonna knock on wood. So hopefully they continue to be ahead of schedule. Thank you. Thank you for the update guys. Thank you again for your great presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for all you do. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Mayor, at this time, in school committee, um, Mr. Steven Sahowski and his uh, the team that work in the Human Resources Department would like to present um, information on our options for school, uh, citywide insurance. Good evening, Mayor View, Superintendent Ware, members of the school committee. My name is Steve Zahowski. I have the honor of serving as the Chief HR Officer for the city and the great group of Team Chickabee folks we have both on the school and city side that make it happen every day. I want to introduce you to Karen Gay. She's our benefits manager. Um, she's one of our team of professionals in HR that helps to handle all of our HR processes that we do here in the city. And I know that some of you had questions tonight about our benefits packages and different pricing options and all that. So we do have with us this evening Miss um, Kathy Breton and Mark Crisatelli. They are representatives of Hub International, who's our broker that handles all of our insurance brokerage for us for the city. And they do have a presentation for you this evening to help answer your questions. Thank you, Stephen. <clears throat> and good evening, school committee, Mayor View, Superintendent Ware. Um, I do have a list of seven questions that were given to us. Uh, we did provide about five handouts that'll answer some of those questions. I just thought that in order I would go through each question, point to which handout answers those questions and take any additional 
questions that you might have. First question was, what insurance plans does the city offer and what the premiums cost on average? Um, in front of everybody, and if it's okay, I'm gonna hold up some documents, but the probably the largest one with the most colors on it is a benchmark report. It's a four-page report that shows, um, frankly, not only the health plans that the city of Chicopee offers, but also another 30, 35 other communities, uh, municipalities, um, and school districts as well. Um, the plans on that particular packet, uh, what's represented on them, on them are the most enrolled plans. So for each city or town on this packet, the plan that the vast majority of the employees enroll on is depicted on this document. So if you look at the first one on the left, you see City of Chicopee. Um, the Health New England plan is the plan that the majority of the employees at Chicopee are enrolled in and the school department. At the top, you'll see um, some description of each copay and deductible. You'll notice it does say a $5,000 deductible yet the plan has a self-insured funding of $4,500 that um, money is contributed to in a trust. Um, the money is comprised of contributions from those enrolled on the plan and from the city. And those funds go into the trust and should anybody have a deductible expense, uh, the first, uh, well, the first $500 is the insured's responsibility, the next $4,500 for each insured becomes a responsibility of the trust, and the trust does the funding of that deductible. Um, every other city, you can kind of compare and contrast the different deductibles and co-pays that each um, city or town has on that document. I did, just to simplify it, hold out a, 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 another smaller document, smallest one I handed out tonight. And what's on this document really is the premium um, for each single and each family. And we did um, order, these are in the order of the um, lowest premium. On the, on the left, you'll see uh, ranked by city or town the lowest single rate, and then on the right, the lowest family rate. So currently, for the most enrolled plan for the city of Chicopee, they have the second lowest single rate from all the cities and towns that we benchmarked on this report and they have the third lowest full family rate. And again, this is for the most enrolled plan. Uh, the city does offer a total of five plans. So in addition to this plan, they offer a PPO plan with um, similar deductibles and co-pays. Um, they do offer two other HMO plans offered by Blue Cross Blue Shield with, with comparable coverage to the plan offered by Health New England where the majority of the employees are enrolled. And then the fifth plan is a high deductible health plan, and that's the least costly plan offered. Um, that's not listed on the benchmark report. Um, it's a very small enrollment in that plan. Um, City of Chicopee offers that high deductible health plan for anyone that wants a very low cost plan. And most cities and towns listed on this benchmark have a comparable plan that they offer as well. But again, most of those cities or towns that offer that plan less than 1% of their population enrolls in that plan. 
Um, question two was, what is the split between the school department and the CEA UFCW bargaining units? Also listed on that large benchmark report, I do have a list of the splits. Um, so for the city of Chicopee, um, the city pays 70% of a single rate and they pay 60% of a family rate on four of the HMO plans that are offered. On the PPO plan that's offered, uh, which again, we, have, we don't have a very significant enrollment in that PPO plan, but that is a 50-50 contribution rate. So for the most enrolled plan, the city pays 70% of the single rate and 60% of the family rate. Um, question three, what plans are the other gateway cities in the four western counties and what are the premiums cost on average? Listed in this benchmark report, we do have those four gateway cities. That would include uh, Springfield, Westfield, Holyoke, and Pittsfield. And all of those communities are represented on the first two reports that we just reviewed. Um, as far as what the premiums cost on average, you can look, you know, again, the, probably the easier way to look at would be to find those cities on the, this document right here. The only city that we have currently that's lower, well, there's two lower than Chicopee. One is Westfield, which is a customer of Hub International, and the other is Holyoke, only on the family rate for Holyoke. The other, uh, Springfield and Pittsfield's rates are, are higher. Next question, what is the split between those school departments and the teachers. So for each of those uh, gateway cities, uh, city of Pittsfield, it's an 80-20 split on their most enrolled plan. For Holyoke, it is a 71.5% um, and 28.5% uh, split for the single rate. And on the family in Holyoke for the most enrolled plan, it's 67.5% uh, for family, and then those families would pay 22.5% at Holyoke. In Springfield, I'm not quite sure what Springfield's is, so I did not list what, yes? You keep saying Springfield, but I can't find them on here. I see Springfield Westfield. is listed, yeah, so um, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, Springfield, um, a number of years ago, was forced into the GIC plan, okay. so Springfield's in the GIC. Okay. So, yes? The GIC is the, the state plan. It's the uh, group insurance commission. Okay. Um, it's what the state employees are offered. Okay. And there's a number of mus uh, municipalities that entered that. Um, Springfield really didn't have a choice when they were put in that. They were, they were forced to go into that plan. And the, the GIC offers a lot of different plan designs and a lot of different carriers. But the, we, what we listed here in the benchmark report is the most enrolled plan. Um, next question, uh, what, the, what does the GIC plans are and what are the premiums costs on the coverage? Um, we, we didn't list out all the plan designs for the GIC other than the most enrolled plan. As far as the premiums for their plans, we did hand out a separate document. Uh, but the upper left-hand side, it says the GIC history. And you can see for each year what the plans were and what the rates were. If you look in the lower left-hand corner, you'll see for 2023, 
four of their most enrolled plans and what the premiums are for each of those respective plans. For ease of comparison, on that same document in the upper right-hand side, I put down the five plans and what the premiums are for those plans that the city of Chicopee offers. Um, if you look at the average rate increases for the GIC, they're pretty comparable to what the average rate increases have been for the city of Chicopee over the past seven or eight year span. <clears throat> the next question was, uh, what is the cost? Um, what is the cost split for those plans uh, with with the GIC? It really depends on uh, each municipality that would join the GIC. It's up to that municipality with the cost split. The state does not dictate what the cost splits are. As far as what the state does, I think it's an 80-20 split for the state. But no, 80-20 is if you were. Uh grandfathered in 75 25 for the rest yes thank you so 80 20 for those grandfathered 75 25 for the rest as far as each respective municipality that joins the GIC their rates are set their cost splits are set by each each of those separate municipalities uh, what is the uh, next question is what would it cost the, city, the Chicopee School Committee, City of Chicopee, to cover 60 or 65% of the cost of the medical life insurance for the CEA, CEA and UFSW bargaining units rather than the current 50%? When we got that question, um, the only plan that's covered at 50% is the PPO plan. So we did run some numbers as to what the increase in expenditure would be if you increased that contribution for the PPO plan. There is a document um, at the top, on the top of the document, it states estimate of increased costs if the medical cost, if the city increased contributions to the PPO plan from 50% to 60% or 65%. So we did list that out as to what that contribution increase would be just for the city's portion. So if the city were to increase their contribution from 50% to 60%, it would increase uh, the city's contribution by approximately $65,662. If the city were to increase their contribution on that PPO plan from 50% to 65%, that number would be $98,494.20 to the city's budget. Um, the other plan that the city offers that's covered at 50% is the uh, life insurance plan. So we estimated for the school what the increase cost would be. And that would be if the, if the city were to increase a contribution from 50% to 60%, it would cost the city an additional $13,200 per year. And if the city increased its contribution on the life insurance from 50% to 65%, it would increase the approximate cost to about $19,800 to the city's budget. Yes, Mayor. Yeah, Mark, how many enrollees do you have in that particular plan? Do you know? Um, you I'm going to estimate with Kathy's help. 53. Yep. So the majority of, in, of our employees citywide, whether it be... Uh, 34 in a PPO. Got it. So of our roughly... Over 1,000. 
uh, oh, uh, you have 18, about 1,800 employees, yeah. roughly. Yes. Most, uh, the majority are in the Health New England plan. Correct. Which is a 70-30 split for singles and a 60-40 split for... That's correct, Mayor. Okay. And then, um, actually, that is the last question. So if, if maybe oh, I... If I could open it up, to, if there were any additional questions on, that's a lot of information I threw at you, but if there's any other additional questions that uh, you have now, I can answer them now, or if you'd like to get them to us through the Human Resources Department, we can get the answers to you. So, Mark, I have one question. How does the city uh, compare uh, Commonwealth-wise uh, with other municipalities for our total premium? I mean, very well. So you're in the, you know, it, depending on the year, you're usually in the top three as far as lowest cost for the level of coverage that you offer. Um, I'd like to, you know, claim that it's all our hard work that gets that cost down and you're uh, negotiating. But, you know, part of it is the claims experience. So ultimately, the claims experience are going to help determine what the costs are. So you'll notice on that first, that document I gave out that showed the different rates for each city or town. Westfield is by far the lowest. Uh, two reasons. One, they've had a miraculously good run at good claims experience, so they've, they've been very healthy. Um, and then two, um, they've run so well over the years that they're, they're actually subsidizing their plan a little bit. So they're, they're really operating a, a bit at a loss right now. So the rates aren't covering their expenses. Thank you. And just uh, I think it's a really important to mention that the city has been, first as, as mayor, my goal is to always try to find creative ways to put more money in people's paychecks. It's not how much you make, it's how much you take home. Right. And on that note, we've been looking at heading towards more and more being self-insured. Uh, could you just explain a little bit? Sure. That history about how the city pays um, the deduct. Uh, the deductible yeah. contribution of an employee versus yep. uh, so, the city. So, so about six years ago, your plan simply had a $500 deductible. So the, the most enrolled plans had a $500 deductible that applied to some services. Well, as we were getting rate increases, you know, mostly based on claims experience, we would increase that deductible. We've increased it three or four times. So we've went from what we have is a $500 deductible and there was no self-insuring. We went to a $1,000 deductible and stuck our toes in the water of self-insuring. Then we went to a $2,000 deductible and, and now we're up to a $5,000 deductible. So the city and the employees self-insure part of their deductible. They self-insure $4,500 of that $5,000 deductible through the trust that's set up. And for a family, they self-insure 9000 of a $10,000 family deductible um, for that plan. It, to the employees on the plan, they're paying 500 And for people that don't have any deductible expenses, the trust isn't paying anything. For those that have at least $5,000 of deductible expense, the trust is paying $4,500 of that. Um, we've worked with the carriers to try to increase that deductible on their fully insured platform. We're kind of at their ceiling right now. They need to file different plans with the state to get them approved for us to keep moving up. We each and every year we look at a, I'm going to call it a complete self-insured plan. Nobody's, I have one client that's it's a Berkshire Hathaway company that's completely self-insured. 
Most clients that say they're self-insured, they have a level of insurance. They might have a $100,000 deductible or a $200,000 deductible. To the employees, it's still the traditional plan. The employee's responsibility is a $500 deductible. But the higher we go up, the more risk we have and the more, and the more deductible expense that we would self-insure. But it might get to the point where that might be a better solution than what we're on now, and each and every year we look at that. Mark, I just had one more thought that I wanted just the general audience and everyone to hear. The total premiums paid annually, um, the city's contribution is roughly $15 million. Uh, and what is the employee's contribution for, again, just total premium for health insurance for a year? I mean, I would say, I think the city's contribution is more than $15 million. Um, I could be wrong, but I think the total budget between um, the active employees, the retired, uh, early retiree employees, the retired employees, the dental plan, the life insurance, I think we're closer to like $25 million, and I'm guessing that the city's contribution is around 18 or $19 million, and the balance is the employees. Could be 17 million. I, I don't have those numbers committed to memory, but I'm in the neighborhood. Thank you. Any questions from the school committee members? Don Lamoff. Yes. Um, what we hear in negotiations a lot of times is they'd like to up the percentage in the uh, insurance. And I, I see you took the time to up the PPO from 50 to 60 to 65. Right. With 34 employees. I'm not worried about that one. No. What I'm worried about is the most enrolled, the HNE. To raise that from 60 for a family to 70 for a family, what would that cost? And I don't expect you to have it off the top. Yeah, if you, if you don't hold me to the number, I'll, get, I'll give you a pretty good estimate right now. So if we were to raise just the family from 60% to 70%, and again, this is, this is if I had that, the full document here, I could give you that number, it, it, in excess of a million dollars. And another question that gets asked quite often is, uh, we, we tried to go with this once, and it cost the, the premiums went up so much that they got pushed back out. It was a one plus. No, and, and that's a great question. So whether you're a self-insured plan, more self-insured than you are now, or completely fully insured, you didn't have that trust, your premium is set on claims, okay? So let's just say that your plan for the active people on these health, these five different plans, let's just say the premium for the health plan, the actives and the early retirees, for argument's sake, let's say it's $20 million, okay? And for $20 million of premium, the carriers hope to pay out something less than $20 million, sure. okay? All of a sudden, if you changed your, your single and family rate to a single and employee plus one and a full family rate, we're still gonna need $20 million right, to help, because the claims aren't going to change. Right. So if the expenses aren't going to change, they still need the same end-of-the-year end of balance of premium. So if we go with a single, if we have the single rate, that mostly won't change. To go to the employee plus one rate, we would have to raise the full family rate, not we, but the insurance companies, quite a bit to make up for the premium they lose by reducing the premium for the employee plus one. So... Um, it can be done. We, have, we do have other communities that have done it. It is painful for the full families. Typically, the process is, you know, if this gets, you know, put to a vote by a PEC, and I'll just make up numbers, let's say we have 100 
employee plus ones and 500 full families and you put it to a vote, do the 500 full families want their rates to go up so the, employee pl the 100 employee plus one rates could go down? And typically when you get to that process, yeah, that's, that's usually it's hard to make it happen. So the question that I asked first is what would it cost the city to go from 60 to 7% per family? And I don't expect you to have the number, but... I'll, I'll get the number. Yeah, I can I, have I the number tomorrow, but I'm thinking it's in the neighborhood of a million dollars. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Sure. Tim Wagner. Thank you, Mayor. Um, and I just want to thank... Uh, all of our HR staff and our insurance brokers for coming out tonight. This was put on at, at my request. Um, I just sort of wanted to get a look at, um, really a comprehensive look at what the, uh, what the insurance plans are, what they offer, what the splits are, what the premiums are, et cetera. Um, I'm 20 years old. I'm not going to pretend like I understood all of this um, for as much as I do understand about public policy. And there's, there's going to be some homework that I have to do here. Uh, before I'm ready to ask more questions, but I just wanted to thank all of you for coming out. Um, it's a really comprehensive uh, presentation that you presented to us. Uh, you guys do some really good work, and uh, if I have any questions, Mayor, I'll, I'll submit them to you and to the HR director, but uh, sure. thank you once again. Yeah, happy to talk anytime. Thank you, Mark. Thank, thank you. you for that presentation. Thank you, everybody. Have a good evening. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Our next visitor. Motion to push him to the next meeting. You want a motion to postpone the visitor's presentation? No, Don, we're not doing that. <laughs> our next kidding, uh, presenter Dr. is Dr. Marcus Square, our superintendent of schools, who's going to talk about the student's entry plan. And I'm excited to hear the plan, Doctor. You have the floor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, good evening once again, everyone. Good to see you. And I hope it's my, my entry plan, the superintendent's entry plan. And so, what, like many superintendents, when they're new to district, you want to see what their plan of action is. So usually the plan takes place within the first 90 days. I'm happy to say I'm at day 82. So we're going to, this plan is for about the first 180 days. So the first six months, roughly. For those of you who were, have been around, you know I started July 1st. So I hit the ground running. So this plan is going to take you from my early days when I came as a visitor in June, and then I officially took over in July 1st. On this page is the introduction. Most entry plans um, start with that. This is the information that I gathered as, as an interviewee, as well as a person who was first interested in this Chicopee Public Schools. And so I did my homework and I basically was researching what Chicopee is all about. So if you, I'm not gonna make you read through it. This is your copy. This will also be posted so the public can actually view it. The Chicopee Public Schools comprises of 15 schools. I'm happy to be the leader of all of them. And we have great partnerships. We have partnerships with the Boys and Girls Club. We have partnerships with Holyoke Community College, River Valley Council, and the list keeps going on. Major colleges and universities that we're very proud to have. And we also talk about some of the challenges that we face here in Chicopee. So over the past few years, we've had some setbacks when it's come to the pandemic, more specifically COVID. However, 
whatever we are charged as superintendents to charge forth and make sure that students are having academic success. So what you will see here is talking about the status of Chicopee High School, which currently receives the statewide system of supports, which is also known as SSOS. And so what that looks like is a support system from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, DESI, in which we work with a team to work out specific supports for students who are not receiving academic success, specifically in our high schools. And well, in, excuse me, Chicopee High School. For, from there, you also will see that I took feedback from my interview days. And from the, that interview process, I remember what the school committee asked me. They asked me a bunch of things. And one of the things was, how am I am about preparing a budget? And so I remember that when I was an interviewee and I brought my experience from my previous districts here and I heard the school committee members when they said they wanted more transparency. So that is something that I noted here in the introduction as well as just in this quick summary, Mr. Chapdelaine did a, fa a fantastic job this evening expressing about the needs of our facilities, more specifically the air conditioning needs as well as other um, buildings that we're looking to bring online so we can absorb some of our uh, flow over, I would call, or overflow, as well as some, um, some exciting projects like the Annaberry Elementary School project. So we're really excited about that. And then what you'll see at the end of this first page is just talking about what an entry plan actually is, even though I summarized it already. So once again, this is an entry plan that talks about the, my first 180 days here in district. On the next page, you'll see every entry plan usually starts with a framework. And for me, it was important to use the framework I'm familiar with, which is Bowman and Deal, reframing organizations. As I stepped foot into this position, I wanted to look through a certain lens and come in without a game plan, meaning let me just look around and see what I learn. In the, this framework, there are four components. The first component is the structural frame which basically talks about the how. How are things done? How are the procedures done, the protocols, and the processes? So we look through these lenses, and I ask those questions. I meet with people, and I try to figure out how do we do business here in the city of Chicopee when it comes to the school, school district. The second frame is under the human resources frame. And even though we had a fantastic presentation from human resources this evening, it's just that. How do we take care of our people? How do we take care of the staff? How do we show up for all uh, over 1,000 um, of our employees in the school district? And basically just how we support them. The next frame is the political frame, um, which basically talks about the coalitions. How do we work together? How do we actually talk about our differences and settle on what's best for our students so we can move the needle on achievement? And lastly, the symbolic frame, and this is about the cultural references, what Chicopee is known for, what our pride stands for, what are we about, and so some of those celebrations, as well as the vision, the mission, and the core values of Chicopee Public Schools. So, as you look at this framework, <clears throat> please, as I get into the, in a moment, I'll get into the listen and learn functions, and that is derived from this framework, and I will reference it as necessary. On this page, 
the, um, the superintendent usually starts with their core value beliefs. So these are my beliefs. So if you talk to me, I'm looking at some of the CEA members, they probably heard me say this, and I know my team hears me say this. I believe that all Chicopee students can learn. So if you ever talk to me and you say they can't, you're talking to the wrong person. And so I also, um, some of my core beliefs are about curriculum. It must meet the needs of our students. Technology, we have to integrate it all the way across the curriculum. Addressing social emotional needs, that is key. We address the whole student, not just parts of a student. Teachers must be provided professional development opportunities and the chance to pursue them often. Even though it says teachers here, I wanna be very clear that it's not just about teachers, it's about any instructional adult we put in front of our kids. Schools must build and have an ongoing positive relationship with the greater community. Without this, schools cannot thrive. Schools are a reflection of the community. So who our students are, 41% Hispanic, 48% white, roughly 4% black, roughly 2 to 4% Pacific Islander, Native American. So these are our students. So how, we, how do we interact with them? How do we welcome them into our classrooms? How do we welcome them to our buildings? And lastly, we have to be fiscally responsible. Again, going back to that budget component. A theory of action talks about if-then statements. It goes, uh, goes to the statement, if you're any math people in the room, it's like a contrapositive, if-then. So if we do these things, then we should see these results. More specifically, if we ensure high-quality, culturally relevant instruction in every classroom, strong hiring practices, high levels of support for teachers, strong accountability practice based on data, courageous leadership, and effective engagement with families in the community, then student achievement will improve, more students will perform at or above grade level, and achievement gaps will improve or disappear. That is what I believe. And furthermore, there are two subcomponents from it. Again, speaking to the social-emotional component, if we address students' social-emotional as a whole, we also will help students have access to curriculum and therefore have student success, achievement, excuse me, academic achievement. Lastly, if teachers take the responsibility for their own ongoing learning, then we are able to continuously update teaching and learning practices so that our students have the best environment possible. Once again, these are things that I espouse. On the next page, you will see that we have the, what we call the listen and learn actions. What does it look like when the superintendent walks into the building? What does it look like when he walks into Doolong? What, what does it look like when I walk in with a team or have a meeting with the CEA, meeting with my E-team, meeting with the Boys and Girls Club? These are the lenses that I look through and I'm trying to gather information so I can make some, some moves when I um, present to you the information um, once I'm finished collecting it in the month around January, January 2024. Their first goal falls under teaching and learning. And if you notice in the right-hand corner, there's a little, a capital S and a lowercase t. Again, going back to that framework, that's under the structural frame, meaning how do we do business? So under goal one, these are the actions that I plan to take. Either I've already started doing it, I haven't done it yet, or it's gonna be ongoing. Just for, as a frame of reference, on the left side, each goal, I mean, each subcategory under goal one is listed from A through F, as well as then you have an example of one of my goals is to examine the curricula documents to assess alignment with state standards and 21st century skills. 
So what you'll see to the right of that, there's a nice graphic that shows between July and December. That means since I've been here since July 1, I've already started doing that work, whether it's with coaches, whether it's with Miss um, Belleville or anyone in between. I've started doing that work and I'm collecting information so I can present to you when I meet with you in January. You'll see this replicated all the way down goal one, and I'm just gonna hit some of the points so that um, the public at home and people in the audience who do not have something in their hands can hear me and can um, understand where I'm at. Another goal is to observe classroom instruction to, um, of teachers to develop understanding of practices. Meet with central office administrators, building administrators, teachers to learn the history of and ask for their evaluation of curriculum documents, communication of instructional expectations, and professional supports. And as you keep going, you notice that this all falls under the teaching and learning category, basically what's happening in our classrooms. Okay, and so uh, the last one, each goal ends with a devised report of the findings and presented to the school committee at the end of 180 days. My goal is to have a comprehensive report for you at the end of 180 days, which is roughly December, January, depending on how um, the vacations fall. On the next page is goal two, organizational structures. The Bowman and Deal frames that we looked through are structural, human resources is symbolic. So you may notice here that I'm looking at supervisors at, um, of our departments in our school. I'm talking about you all, the school committee. You remember we had a meet and greet. Remember that I said I have an open door policy that has been met on several occasions and many of you have reached out with your, with your thoughts and your concerns. This is something I would love to, I can't wait to get to, hold group sessions. That means holding group sessions with parents. What are our parents thinking? Holding group sessions with the paras. What are our parents saying? Holding group sessions with the custodians. What are they saying? So all of our stakeholders, um, so that word stakeholders encapsulates all of the people who work in the Chicopee Public Schools. Um, as well as, very specifically, I want to hone in here, MTSS, which stands for Multiple Tier Systems of Supports. How do we set up our classroom all the way to how we intervene with our students who need the help, all the way to how we support them outside the classroom if we pull them out? So that's something that I come with a great wealth of knowledge in, and I'm ready to um, um, learn about what does that look like in science, what does that look like in social studies. But also, you may know, MTSS is also refer to when we come to special education or English language learning education and everything in between. However, I believe in all students are a product from MTSS, not just the students in their specialized populations. And once again, we have um, 180 days from the July 1st um, start that I anticipate that I'll be presenting my findings. Goal number three, community partnerships. <clears throat> Community partnerships, I believe in. So what does that look like? I named some of them already, but I plan on going into the community. I will um, highlight here, Mr. Mayor has invited me to the neighborhood meetings. That's one way of understanding community partnerships. Another way is actually going into the community where if you live in a specific ward, where's the hangout spot, where are parents going? So that they don't have to come to me, I go to them. So the, I, I look forward to making those meetings and making them publicly known so parents and other people, air, other caretakers can attend those events. 
PTO meetings. Some PTOs from schools have already reached out to me and asked me about trunk or treat. I'm sorry, I'm not a big Halloween fan, but I'm gonna work on it. But trunk or treat <laughs> and things of that nature are another way to get to know the PTO and the, those individuals who support our kids in that way. But also meeting with city officials. I know I was just in the dunk tank a couple of weeks ago, meeting with the Chicopee Police and Fire Department. My toe was healed nicely. And so there's other opportunities where meeting with the city officials, I get to learn the workings of the city, uh, as well as I speak with our neighboring superintendents. I'm on a text chain with Mr. Dan Warwick from Springfield Public Schools, as well as Mr. Anthony Soto from Holyoke Public Schools, and I'm learning about how we do business as a collaborative. A lot of our students go to each other's districts, so it's, a lot, it's been a great learning curve. Um, invite this uh, school committee members out for a formal meet and greet. Some of you already know that I like to eat. Um, I like to en enjoy a good meal. So some of you have taken me up on this. Um, and I, if you haven't, please get a hold of me. We can still arrange something. <laughs> as well as engage in regular communication. That's something about my biweekly reports where I try to keep you updated on things that are going on as well as like yesterday when we had a special situation, you got updated in my absence because I was out of district, but my team stepped in and kept you um, alerted on information that you would probably learn from the media if you, uh, if you were paying attention to the media yesterday. I'm gonna turn the page to goal number four, district infrastructures. This is touring all the buildings. Scott and I are gonna have a really good time when we go through and talk about touring our buildings. We, we've done it in bits and pieces, but I'm looking forward to all of them. As well as, um, I've already started to learn about the upgrades, as you heard today in his report. As well as look at the student data trends. I know that Scott was on the call with me with the MSBA today, in which we were looking at the data trends about um, students who um, uh, have passed through our doors and looking at just the growth trends of grade, uh, students in grades K through 12 and how would that look like for the next five years or so. Um, as well as um, looking at outside audits. I'm a strong believer in you, um, bringing someone who has um, an impartial view to actually give us some feedback about how we do business. And one of those things that we, I would like to focus on um, is around our processes in Doolong as well as security. So I'm looking forward to seeing what those, um, what those audits yield as far as information. And then, as well as I speak, um, Scott and I have standing appointments where he actually lets me know his concerns and we actually map out uh, a plan so we can attack things, as you heard again this evening. And finally, goal number five, fiscal management and resources. Um, Mr. Mayarecki, as well as Ms. Green, um, Human Resources and um, our budget director, know that I, I will walk down the hallway in a heartbeat if I need to understand something. So those meetings have already started where I'm trying to understand how those systems work with each other, how they work with the city, and how we can clean up business, as well as review the budget management for the past couple of decades. There's there's a lot of conversation that I've inherited um, as the new superintendent about how things used to be done, this is how we got here, and I will say I think that some of those things are true. Um, however, there's some other things that I'm learning that I, once I, once I finalize everything, I think it will be great for the committee to know because, um, like I said to my financial, my finance budget director, Mr. Mayarecki, I want to make sure that you have a transparent budget where you understand where the money's going. Um, research other districts to understand how we do um, a cost-benefit analysis here in our district, as well as meeting with Mr. Therio, who's over our grants, to understand what monies we, we can apply for and how we can use them. 
and review our staffing structures throughout our entire organization. And once again, this will be done within the next um, 90 or so days, totaling 180 days. On the last page, I just go ahead and reiterate that my goal is to give you a comprehensive report about my findings in a non-judgmental way, really to um, talk about the next steps, which will lead to what we call a strategic plan, so that we can actually take Chicopee Public Schools to the next level, uh, as well as and soliciting your input because your input is key, as well as soliciting input from our staff, as well as the community as a whole. Um, at the end of that time, I will welcome any questions when I present my findings. However, I just wanna let you know that I've already hit the ground running. I've actually already started tackling a lot of this information. I have multiple folders that I keep already where I've collected information. And to me, that's actually a good place to be at, at you know, September 20th. That concludes my presentation. I left time for some questions and I'll let anyone jump in. Thank you. Any questions or comments? Thank you, Dr. Ware, for that presentation. Don Lamont. Yes, for transparency, uh, I've talked with the superintendent about some of these uh, projects that I wanted to know why we're not getting to where we, I thought we would be. And he's asked me to put a monthly facilities meeting together so that he can update us on it, on the progress as we go, as opposed to, to pull it out of him each time. He wants, to, he wants us to be there. So there will be a monthly facilities meeting. I'm working out a... Excuse me, oh. Mr. Omas, would you mind speaking into the... So I'm working out a day with Sarah. And that's correct. I'm now speaking to the transparency. I also um, am accustomed to actually meeting with the facility director where I come from, as well as that's a way to let the community know what's going on. And when you don't hear something, sometimes you can listen to the father that's out there and it's not exactly accurate. So I think this is another way to hold ourselves accountable, as well as um, communicate to the public what's going on with Chicopee Public Schools. Thank you. We'll move on to our agenda, approval of minutes 23-9-19. Move that the minutes of the regular school committee, excuse me, regular meeting of the school committee held on September 6, 2023 be approved. Vice Chair. Motion to approve. Any discussion on the minutes? Eric, can we have a roll call, please? Mayor View. Yes. Mr. Wagner. Yes. Mr. Barslow. Yes. Mr. Doubt. Yes. Mrs. Perrett? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries. Reports 23-9-20. Report, report on personnel action taken. At this time, Mr. Mayor, if I may add, uh, ask Ms. Deb Green to come up for um, a summary of that report. Thank you. Welcome. Good evening, good evening everybody. Good Just evening. a little bit about um, the personnel report in front of you. You have 22 new hires on that personnel report. Of those, four of those are teachers, three of those are paraprofessionals, and all of them range anywhere from cafeteria workers to craftsmen, 
um, custodians. And I would also like to tell you that it, we have at least 15 to 20 people attending our orientations every week. So hiring is still strong for all of the various positions, again, from cafeteria workers all the way on down. Uh, as of this morning, there are 94 postings on school spring. Of those, 26 are for teachers, 32 are for paraprofessionals. And of that number, 24 of those are new positions that were newly created this year. So just a little overview of what is there so far. Thank you, Deb, for the summary. Any questions or comments? Thank you. Unfinished business, 23-921. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see any hands. This is just related to the conferences that were approved on this um, agenda. We have uh, several, I believe there's seven, uh, conferences approved, AP Spanish Literature and Culture, it's an online workshop, elementary IEP team leader community of practice, the USDA Food Bank Tour, the DESE History and Social Studies Leaders Network, uh, the DESE Science and Teacher Leaders Network, of, what, of which two staff will be participating in that, uh, the DESE Math Leaders Network, and the Grant Management USA all have one staff member participating, except, as I stated, the DESE Science and Tech Leaders Network. All set? That's it. Thank you. Tim Wagner. Uh, this was not a, um, I thought we'd moved on from the personnel report after that. I was going to make a motion to take 23-9-29 out of order. So we have a motion to take 23-9. Any discussion? Sarah will take a roll call. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrette? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries, 23-929. Resolution to petition the Commonwealth to expand the Mass Free Connect subsidized higher education program. Tim Wagner. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, this is a program, for the benefit of the members, I'm going to give a little background. This was a program that was started by uh, Governor Moore Healy's administration uh, in the fiscal year 2024 budget for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. It's funded in an amount of $20 million, um, and it uh, allows the students who meet the following criteria to uh, attend community colleges in Massachusetts for free. Uh, students who are over 25 years of age, um, uh, residents of the Commonwealth for, I believe, a year or more, um, anybody who does not have uh, or has not obtained a full uh, bachelor's or associate's degree, and a requirement that uh, any students who are enrolling uh, live in the Commonwealth for the duration of the time in which they're enrolled in a community college. Um, I think that this is a great program. It's a great first step toward equity in higher education. As we all know, as NASA data shows us, uh, a college degree um, is increasingly more necessary in an ever more complex 
uh, world. Um, and as we, as we deal with more and more complex jobs and topics, uh, studies show that uh, people with even an associate's degree uh, make substantially higher um, uh, wages than those uh, with just uh, a high school degree. Uh, in short, uh, higher education is a, is a gateway to uh, infinite possibility, um, to what many like to call the American dream. Um, I myself, through the connections that I have made at Springfield Technical Community College over the course of completing my own associate's degree, I was able to obtain an internship in the Big Y IT department, which has since turned into a full-time job, uh, which I will be starting uh, in the second week of October, 40 hours a week, making about uh, 50 grand a year, give or take. Um, and Mr. Gerard, um, whose son graduated, uh, my cousin Jake from, from Springfield Technical Community College, will actually be working right across the street from me uh, at Eversource as an electrical engineer. Um, even an associate's degree uh, can go a long way. And I think that it's simply unfair um, to exclude a generation, my generation, Gen Z, uh, from this program when uh, costs of higher education uh, have never been higher. I think that it's uh, uh, wrong to exclude us after having just went through a global pandemic and our learning has been set back uh, by several years. Um, I think that more can be done uh, with the amount of savings that we have and with the amount of revenue that we take in at the, at the state level um, to fund this program and make it more accessible uh, to all high school graduates. And uh, so this resolution, Mayor, which I, if I could read into the record in just a minute, uh, this resolution is intended to uh, petition the governor, our state lawmakers, um, and other area school committees who, if, if we've uh, read Mass Live, have indicated uh, that they would be willing to support and uh, that the governor's office would be willing to entertain a discussion around expanding this program. So I'll go ahead and I will, if, uh, if the chair will permit, read this resolution into the record. Yes. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, whereas the Mass Reconnect program was established by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts to help residents who meet certain requirements are of age 25 and older to obtain college degrees from public community college, and whereas the COVID-19 pandemic has, has caused a substantial learning gap in learning and mental health crisis in Gen Z and Gen Alpha students, and whereas the student debt crisis increased costs of higher education inflation and stagnant wages have discouraged recent high school graduates from obtaining a post-secondary education in part or in whole, and whereas it is increasingly necessary to have a college degree to be competitive in the 21st century workforce, and that whereas the Commonwealth of Massachusetts believes that all citizens have a right and therefore should have equal access uh, to education and the opportunities and advantages that it provides. Uh, now, therefore, be it resolved that the, school, uh, that the Chicopee School Committee uh, does the following. Petitions the General Court of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the Office of the Governor uh, to expand the Mass Reconnect program so that it is available to all high school graduates in the Commonwealth. Uh, two, delivers this resolution to the Springfield, Holyoke, Westfield, and Pittsfield School Committees and humbly request that they adopt it. Uh, at three, moves that the chair be authorized to sign this resolution and present it to Chicopee State Legislative Delegation, uh, the Office of the Governor, uh, and the aforementioned school committees for their consideration. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Any discussion? Down the mouth. 
Yes, I'm not opposed to it, but my, my concern comes down to right now there's 20 million dedicated to this. If you give it to every high school student, how much is that going to increase? It's going to increase 20, 30, 40, 50. Let me finish. So I'm not opposed to it, but there, there is some cost here. And we don't even fund all our local K-12 schools. There are several school districts that are laying people off. We're lucky this, this next couple years. But we weren't so lucky the last 10, 15 years where we were pink slipping teachers and stuff. So that's my concern, that there's only a limited number of money that's in a budget at some point. And, you know, you've got to keep that as a realistic goal. And, it's, and, and I've, I've heard you say that, you know, it's not fair to your generation. Well, Tim, when I was your age, I had the same issues. I had to pay for my college, too. And it took me 20 years to go through college. So I understand what you're saying. but. You know, this is apple pie. It's going to sound good to everybody, but there is a cost. Thank you. Thank you. Sam Shumshi. Thank you. So while I do believe that better education does give you better opportunities in life, like Don said, I do have some questions regarding the information on, on the cost of how many students would be impacted, the increased costs that are not projected here, and would space be a problem because community colleges are only capable of holding so many students. And I just feel like we need more information to make an informed vote. Thank you. Thank you. Any other discussion? Tim, well, one moment, everyone for first time. Tim, second time. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, in response to comments made by Mr. Lamoth, it's estimated that uh, 2 million Commonwealth residents will be able to take advantage of this program, which is an estimated $20 million. I think that that's a substantial amount. That's a, that's a fourth of the Commonwealth's population of 8 million residents who would be able to take advantage of something like this. And uh, in, a, in a budget of over $50 billion, I think that the Commonwealth could find a, just a little bit more, more money uh, to offer this program to more people, which not everybody will take advantage of, uh, but which would benefit a substantial number of people uh, in gateway cities uh, like Chicopee. And uh, with Mr. Shumsky, with regards to, uh, to space at the community colleges, um, officials from uh, Holyoke Community College and Springfield Technical Community College have endorsed the plan, and uh, Stick President uh, John Cook has said he would uh, gladly accept more students and that they are prepared to take more, and that they would gladly endorse this plan along with us. Uh, and I think that uh, the first step in getting the ball rolling on something like this, of course, specifics can be worked out um, if, if legislation or a supplemental budget were to be filed, um, then I'm sure that this school committee, uh, being the one that got the ball rolling on this, uh, would in inevitably be part of that discussion. And I think it's important uh, that if this is going to happen at all, that we take the first step and start building a coalition of school committees around this. Um, because I know that, you know, things have been done a certain way for a certain amount of time, and I get it. I get that everybody's had some hardships in life. I get that people um, are just used to things being a certain way. Uh, but we, are, we would not be the first state to offer free community college, not, not remotely. There's several states in the U.S. offer it already. Um, and it, it, the government exists to improve the quality of life for its residents. That is its sole purpose. They already have the framework in place. It's just a matter of, of expanding it. Thank you. Any other discussion? Sandy. Ask a question. Sandra Perrette. Uh, 
beginning ones, um, higher education and a community college is certainly a, a great place to start. And it uh, does encourage young men and women to uh, continue their education um, to, a, to uh, a bachelor's degree from that um, associate's degree. And uh, I know of several people who, before going to the to get their bachelor's, did start off in a community college because of the um, the cost savings for them. But not everyone is in a position where the uh, the cost of a community college is something that uh, a lot of families can do. So certainly, we all want to assist people in. Um, bettering themselves and educating themselves, and I, I certainly think I would, I would support this because uh, we're helping people get ahead in life. Thank you. Any other discussion? Is there any other motions? Move that we adopt the policy and uh, adhere to points one through three, which I've, which I've made and outlined in the resolution. So we have a motion to adopt this resolution to petition the Commonwealth on the motion. Sam Sumsky. I just have a question regarding, is there a way we can discuss this further in a subcommittee? I don't think this falls under any subcommittee, but I wanted to ask the question. Yes, there is, but we have a motion on the floor to adopt, so. Okay. So the motion on the floor right now is to adopt. Can I put motion to put in subcommittee for further motion to table? Motion to table, I should say. Motion to postpone. Yes. So now we have a motion to, to, motion to postpone till next meeting. Next meeting, yes. Okay, so we have a motion to postpone to next meeting. Any comment on the postponing? Tim Wagner. What um, what information is Mr. Shumsky hoping to gain in the interim? If I'm if I may ask, what would be the purpose of a postponement? I would just like to look for more personal research into the matter. Of course, thank you. So we have a motion to postpone. Any further discussion? We'll take a roll call. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? No. Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrett? No. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? No. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. Eight yes, three no. Motion carries. We'll move to 23921. Move that the memorandum of agreement between the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 1459. Custodial unit and Chicopee School Committee be approved and the chairperson be authorized to sign. Don, can I get a motion? Motion to approve if it's on the agenda. We have a motion to approve. Any discussion? I assume that the unions have ratified the, the contracts. I can't. So, uh, just a point of information. Uh, why are they on the agenda? Okay. 
So just just for clarity, items 21, 22, and 23 and 24 are memorandums of agreement that have not been ratified by the union. And I think it would be in our best interest to postpone again. Mm -hmm. And I think the postponement should be until we hear from the union rather than to the next meeting is a recommendation from chair. Don, can we get a motion? I'll make that motion to postpone until we hear from the union or the next meeting or either whatever comes first. Can they, can you do all of them or do you have to take them separately? Let's take them separately and we'll take a roll call. Any questions on the first one? Comments? So we have a motion to postpone until we hear from the union and Don, would it be uh, appropriate to say uh, in a timely manner that we'd be able to, to comply with open meeting law to get on our next agenda? Yes. Rather than next meeting? Yes. Okay. So, uh, Sarah, we'll take a roll call. The motion is to postpone. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrett? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries, 23-922. Move that the memorandum of agreement between the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 1459, school nurses, and Chicopee School Committee be approved and the chairperson be authorized to sign. Grace, can I get a motion? A uh, motion to postpone to a timely manner when we hear from the union. Union. Thank you, any discussion on the motion? Roll call, Sarah. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrett? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries, 23-923. Move that the memorandum of agreement between the United Food and Commercial, Commercial Workers Union, Local 1459, Technical Unit, and Chicopee School Committee be approved and the chairperson be authorized to sign. Sam, can I get a motion? Motion to postpone until union is ready. Motion to postpone until the, we hear from the union. Any discussion, we'll take a roll call. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barcelo? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrett? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries, 23-924. Move that the memorandum of agreement between United Food and Commercial Workers Union, Local 1459, School Cafeteria Workers, and Chicopee School Committee be approved and the chairperson be authorized to sign. Check, can I get a motion? Motion to approve. Uh, we would prefer that you postpone. We have not heard from the union yet. So we get a motion to postpone. Postpone. We have a motion to postpone. Any discussion? So for clarity, I have a motion to postpone until we hear from the union uh, on ratification from their end of the contract. Sarah, I'll take a roll call. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barcelo? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. 
Mrs. Perrette? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries. New business 23-925. Move that the transfer of funds totaling $298,920 be approved. Doug Gerard, can I get a motion? Uh, motion to approve. No, motion to approve. Any discussion? Superintendent, just a point of information. Could you give us an explanation? Yep. Thank you. So there's a letter in the packet. There's a transfer of funds to support the actual amount um, that's been budgeted for the um, psycholo psychological salaries. Um, so this is under the special ed um, department. So um, there's a transfer of the funds from, um, so let me back up. There is a transfer of the funds from one account to another to support these um, uh, salaries that we are contracting with the services outside of our school district um, more specifically and I know that Mr. Mayorek is in the the um, the audience so that if there needs to be more explanation I can actually call him up to the mic to speak to it any any further discussion or questions about the transfer no. seeing now we'll take a roll call mayor view yes mr. Wagner yes Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrett? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries. 23-926. Move that the bills warrant S090823, totaling $593,186.75 be approved. Sandra, can I get a motion? Motion to approve. A motion to approve. Sam, could you read the warrants into the record, please? Yes. So I will read the total of the two warrants, and we will act upon each individually. For athletics, $13,127. Food services, $93,679. General expenses, $697,020. Grants, $334,364. Maintenance, $199,205. Special education, $19,028. Student activities, $7,522. Telecommunications, $358 for a total of $1,364,305. Thank you. Any discussion on the first warrant? We'll be voting on them individually. That's S090823, totaling $593,186.75. Sarah, can we have a roll call, please? Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrette? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries uh, 23-927. Move that the bills warrant S091523 totaling $771,119.04 be approved. Tim Wagner. A motion to approve. We have a motion to approve. Any discussion on the second warrant? Sarah, can we have a roll call, please? Mayor View. Yes. Mr. Wagner. Yes. Mr. Barcelo? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrette? 
Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamas? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes. Motion carries. 23-928. Student dress code policy, J19. Topic requested by Ms. Zatella um, Lopes. Vice Chair Susan Zatella Lopes, you have the floor. Thank you, everyone, um, especially Mr. Wagner for giving me the opportunity to speak on behalf of all our Chicopee citizens this evening uh, concerning our Chicopee Public Schools dress code policy. I thank Dr. Weir in particular, who I'm appealing to uh, through this discussion. I see that one of your focuses on listening and learning, so I appreciate that. I'd like to read an email that I sent out to Dr. Weir, our mayor as chairperson, and the four principals, our two principals that are I miss the academy. Our two principals at Chickabee High and Chickabee Comp, and also our two middle schools, DuPont and Bellamy Middle School. Mr. Wagner requested that I read the email that I wrote to uh, the six people that I just mentioned, and I did forward it to Mr. Wagner because he had asked me what I had in mind when I requested that we discuss our dress code policy a couple weeks ago and put it on the agenda. Hello, in all the years I have been a school committee member, I have been approached many, many times by community members and staff members about the way that our students dress when attending school. They are alarmed and disgusted, especially by our girls who show cleavage and who wear shorts and skirts way too short. They even have their stomachs showing. I see it for myself when I visit the schools. I wonder what the heck is going on. It should be obvious to all of you why we are concerned and want something done about it. I am doing my job as an elected representative and calling it to your attention as principals in your buildings. Our hope and expectations is that our policy will be enforced with a lot more conviction. When I speak at the school committee meeting tomorrow evening, this evening, I may refer to Bellamy School. Two hardworking staff members that we are so fortunate to have have approached me to complain about what they see every day. It is difficult to listen to. I can hardly believe what I am hearing. Something needs to be done. Our dress code policy says that students cannot be disciplined or removed from class for not obeying. What is done about a young girl dressed inappropriately? Why have a policy if it is not being enforced? Perhaps the policy is not specific enough. Thank you for your attention to this matter. It may not be important to all school committee members, but it is important to me and the people I represent. Again, that's my job, and I need to do it well. I would like to add that I, I must add that I spoke of two women, me also, and we're worried about these young girls who are coming to school dressed inappropriately. We are sure it is hurting them and those around them, especially our boys who are there at school to learn academically. When speaking on this topic, I think of words like dignity, presentation, discipline, confidence, accomplishment, and respect. Mrs. Perrette just mentioned that she is all for people bettering themselves, and this is one way. Again, Superintendent, you're new at the helm, and I'm asking you to 
for us to have further discussion on this topic. And perhaps I can start by referring it to a subcommittee, if that's what's recommended. So we have a motion to refer the student dress code policy J-19 to subcommittee. Uh, which one would, would be most appropriate? Uh, policy. policy. Sarah was kind enough to include the policy in our current policy. And again, I was alarmed by it. I'd like to see it reviewed, please. Thank you. Any further discussion? Tim Wagner. Of course, and uh, Mayor, I'd, I'd be happy as the chair of the Policy and Human Resources Subcommittee, uh, which took this up in this term of office, actually, at the behest of a female student who came to this school committee and, and spoke very eloquently uh, about how she feels that the female students are oftentimes singled out and how that she felt the policy for how specific it was. Um, I'm sorry, is that, is that better? Thank you very much, Mayor. I'll start again. Um, as the chair of the Policy and Human Resources Subcommittee, we had the pleasure of taking this up, uh, I believe starting in uh, February and March of uh, 2022, um, at the behest of a female student who came and uh, spoke very eloquently before the, uh, the school committee here, um, saying that she felt oftentimes singled out, uh, how she and other female students felt very singled out um, by policies that were very restrictive um, and not with the times and that were very sexist. Um, and that oftentimes I didn't feel comfortable uh, with the oftentimes male teachers who were the ones um, having to write them up for dress code violations. So in March of 2022, this was referred to the Policy and Human Resources Subcommittee where we worked very diligently with a fantastic group of students uh, to reform this uh, dress code policy. It was referred out of subcommittee in June, placed on the July agenda. Um, I believe I have the... Uh, the minutes for which right here, one of my documents. Terribly sorry, I should have had those prepared. Here we go. It was on our uh, agenda for July 20th of 2022. It was item number Uh, yes, here it was. 22-7-19, motion made by Mr. Wagner to approve a second reading of the following policies as recommended by the Policy and Human Resources Subcommittee A, School Committee Organizational Meeting, B, Subcommittees of the School Committee, C, Teaching About Controversial Issues and Speakers, D, Student Dress Code Policy, a motion uh, which was unanimously approved by all the members present and which requires a two-thirds majority. For additional context, only eight members of the 12 total school committee members were present at this meeting. And the roll call was as follows. Mayor View, yes. Mr. Wagner, yes. Mr. Barslow, Mr. DePala, Mrs. Perrett, and Mrs. Schofield uh, were absent. Mrs. Schofield, by the way, which who voted to refer this current policy out of subcommittee onto the, full, onto the floor. Mr. Shumsky, yes. Mr. Lamoth, yes. Mr. Gerard, yes. Mr. Bernard, yes. Mr. Zatella, yes. Ms. Lopes, yes. It was, it was approved unanimously by the eight members present and could have been defeated by a single no vote as per our operating procedures, which require a two-thirds majority. 
and that we worked very hard with a group of students, administrators, and community members to uh, implement this new dress code policy, which we felt was very fair um, and which we felt would not take time away from learning, uh, which as we uh, know now is more important than ever, having come out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we felt that this was the best course forward. All the members of that meeting approved the policy unanimously. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Any other discussion? We have a motion. Andy. Andrew Perez. Just, you know, in terms of, you know, our dress code, I, it, it, do, I guess the complaints that, that you receive, do people, do students, do they understand uh, what the intent was of the dress code? And, and I, um, I, I'm looking at it again, and I know it says clothing uh, should include a top, shirt, blouse, sweater, tank, bottom, pants, shorts, skirt, dress, footwear, suggested footwear should be worn in all school buildings. Um, there's a general concept, and I, I was on, a, on a, um, a dress code committee at one point in time, and we had allowed professionals to wear shorts. And I think my vision of shorts was a walking short that went to the knee with a jacket, and I was thinking of you know, a particular individual who wore this to work. And um, when we implemented the dress code for professionals, physical therapists, occupational therapists, nurses, the people were coming into work with short shorts, which didn't um, hit me as being a professional type attire. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe uh, the students are not understanding what our expectation is of them. And maybe we need to um, provide that, that simply reading something may not give them our general thought of how the student should be presenting at school. Um, just a, a statement. Thank you. Any other discussion? Yeah, Vice Chair. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have voted for that policy. So that's why I would like to revisit it, please. So we have a motion to send the student dress code policy to the policy subcommittee. Any further discussion? Don? Yes, I have no problem sending it to the subcommittee. Yes, I did vote for it. Um, is the sticking point that lack of discipline, is, is that what I'm hearing? Or is it just the, the clothing that they're wearing doesn't meet the dress code? dress code, or is it that the dress, the policy isn't explicit enough? That's what I'm trying to understand. I guess that would be to you, so that I'm It's asking. a question through the chair to the vice chair. Yes. Vice chair, do you want to respond, or do you want to move the question? Or do you want to put it in subcommittee? You can ask it in subcommittee, I guess. We have a motion to send to subcommittee. We'll take a roll call, please. Uh, sure, the vice chair. When I was driving to work this morning on Grattan Street, I saw a young man or a boy standing by a bus stop with his pants down to here, waiting to get on the bus and go to school. It was not a good thing for me to see. 
Thank you. Any other comments? Grace? Um, so I was in that committee, the, the subcommittee, where we talked extensively about this dress code policy. And um, part of the dress code does say that um, in the, your pants need to cover. You know, when you sit and stand, pants need to be covered, parts of your body, that kind of thing. So um, I can't see sending it to subcommittee because we spend a lot of time discussing every situation, so I, I think that it's more of an, um, I agree with um, Ms. Perrette, it's more of an understanding of expectation of what the students perceive the dress code to be as opposed to um, like the enforcement of it. All set? Mm -hmm. Tim Wagner, second time. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'd also just like to, to point out that uh, uh, this is really more of a topic that we would have to call in the building administrators for, right? Because as, as Ms. Uh, Schofield pointed out, we spent a lot of time on this. A lot of students put in, and, and school committee members and administrators put in a lot of work. Um, and to suggest that uh, students are just uh, running around showing off every part of their body imaginable or flagrantly, or flagrantly violating the dress code in, in large numbers, and, and it certainly does happen, but to act as though there's nobody trying to enforce it, um, when I know that there are, I know that there are several staff members and administrators doing their very best to enforce it. I think that this would best be settled if we were to call them in to our next meeting, if we were to have them answer these questions here. Um, and and I, I just think that there is a better use uh, of time and, and there are better things that we could focus on. As, as mentioned during your entry plan, uh, mm -hmm. we're very concerned about the state of our buildings, um, things of that nature. After spending uh, the better part of a year on this, I think the topic has been discussed to death. So I'm, I'm wholeheartedly against sending it to subcommittee. We have a motion to send to subcommittee. Uh, Sam Shumsky. Yes, I just wanted to ask the superintendent what his thoughts on this were as a superintendent and with what you're hearing from administrators. I don't know if, I know you probably don't have that information, but I was just kind of curious. Yeah, I, I can't say that I've heard anything about the dress code from the administrators. Um, if um, if I, I definitely can speak with them and I can definitely uh, get their feedback about what they're doing or how things are going in the schools, um, that's, that can be done. But I can't, I don't have any reports, unfortunately, right now to speak to um, what, what their thoughts or opinions are um, about the dress code, but I can follow up. Okay, thank you. Vice Chair. I just want to repeat a couple sentences in my email. Our hope and expectation is that our policy will be enforced with a lot more conviction. It may not be important to all school community members, but is important to me and the people I represent. And again, I work out in the public. People come to me and say these things to me, and I need to follow through with them because that's my job. Thank you, Don.
Yes, Sue, so would it be worthwhile to give the superintendent a little bit of time to see if he can do something with this before we yeah. reinvent the wheel? Yes, please. So would you hold back your motion at this time? And Sounds great. Okay, thank you. So you're gonna raise, uh, just a point of order, you're rescinding your motion. Okay. So d for discussion with no motion. Thank you. Superintendent will do a little investigating on behalf of the dress code policy and enforcement. Okay, so I'm looking into the enforcement of the dress code policy more specifically at the middle school and high schools, correct? Uh, okay, I just want to make sure I, I want to make sure I do it due diligence. So I will definitely do that. Thank you. Any other discussion? That concludes our regular meeting. We have a motion. motion. Motion to adjourn. We have a motion to adjourn. Roll call, please. Mayor View? Yes. Mr. Wagner? Yes. Mr. Barslow? Yes. Mr. Doubt? Yes. Mrs. Perrette? Yes. Mrs. Schofield? Yes. Mr. Shumsky? Yes. Mr. Lamoth? Yes. Mr. Gerard? Yes. Mrs. Lopes? Yes. Mr. Zatella? Yes. 11 yes.